0: Well, how many of you have had a problem in the last year? Raise your hand. Some of you. Now, just keep them up. I want you to look around. The people around you don't have their hand up. And afterwards, I want you to talk to them and find out what the key is to having no problems in life. But I want to tell you, if you have a problem or have had a problem or anticipate there might be one in the future, I've got good news for you. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to give you some tools to move through your problems in the power and the authority of the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen. You see, there's something we talk about in the Christian world called favor. We don't really know what it is, but we know when it's on us. We know when it's on somebody else. And I want to talk to you today about the force of favor. Because favor is a force that can come upon you, come alongside of you, and manifest itself in you and through you. You see... God is the source. God bestows favor. You might say, well, I thought this was just luck. Well, there's no such thing of luck in the word of God. People say, hey, good luck. I would look at them and go, why is it good luck? That's superstition. I believe in favor. So God bestows favor, and God's favor, watch this, favor enables you to do something out of the ordinary. Or it brings something into your life out of the ordinary. You go like, I don't know how this happened. I don't know how these things came together the way they did, but it is nothing short of a miracle or the favor of God. And then favor brings supernatural increase. Sometimes it's increase financially in opportunities in relationships, but it always brings increase. But you have to be, you have to step into favor just like you'd step into faith. You have to believe that God, as Hebrews says, that God is, that God exists, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So when I'm, when I'm diligent in my seeking out after God, God is faithful to bring about favor in my life. Today we're going to talk about a biblical character by the name of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is the cupbearer of the king. Now if you don't know what that job is, that means he tastes everything before the king does, so if they're trying to poison the king, the cupbearer's job is kind of short. (laughs) Amen? All right, but this is the most trusted position in the entire kingdom, Because if you have a cupbearer who is on the other side or is trying to assassinate you, he might try to pull a fast one and kill you. So no one, the king would trust no one more than he would trust the guy who tasted the food and the drink before he ate it. But Nehemiah finds himself in a situation where Jerusalem, he's now a captive in a foreign country, and he finds himself in a situation where news has come about Jerusalem, his home that the walls are broken down, that everything in disarray, and he's so broken about it, he wants to do something. He's, he's just encountered a problem of how bad the situation is. And he thinks to himself, and he prays, and he weeps before God. He says, God, what can I do? And I believe that in this story we're going to look at today are principles that you can apply to your situation, regardless what it may be, whatever problem you have, and you're going to find some answers. So let's look at the scripture. You see, problems, they have a tendency to shift the way you think. Sometimes they shift you into anger, into despair or frustration, but I want you to, to, to take your problem, let them shift you and empower you to be better at who you are and what you do. Nehemiah chapter one. The survivors who are left from the captivity in the providence are there in great distress and great reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and I wept and I mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. So his first reaction was emotional. It was broken down in tears, But then what did he do? He shifted into fasting and prayer. What you don't want to do is get stuck in your problem. See, people get stuck in their problem and go, I got a problem, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Wrong second answer, right? It's not what you're gonna do. What is he gonna do, amen? And so you say, you know what? I'm gonna pray and fast. I refuse to let this problem get the best of me. I'm going to move through this problem and it doesn't matter. You fall down, get back up. You have a setback, then have a comeback. See, God's sometimes just setting you up for the next thing that he wants you to do, and he's trying to test you and challenge you and make you stronger as a human being through your problems. Because problems are universal. Now, outside of the four or five people who wouldn't raise their hand for a problem, you know, everybody else has problems. Amen? All right. You see, here's what I want you to think about. You have been positioned for this shift in your life. Did you ever think that the problem you have is God shifting you to put you into a place of opportunity? Problems are just really opportunities disguised as setbacks. That's really what they are. And so God wants to position you, and also remember, God has prepared you for this shift in your life. When you say, I don't know what I'm going to do, it's almost like you don't know that there's a sovereign God. Instead of saying, I don't know what I'm going to do, say, look, I've been through tough times before. I've been through challenges before. I've been through difficulty before. But I know that God will make a way through this situation. You have to speak that with faith and confidence. When you speak it, you're making a declaration. Declarations have a way of making their way into the supernatural realm. Despair also has a way of making itself into the supernatural realm, and that is of the enemy. So what you want to do is you want to be a declarer of truth. I declare God's word is true. I declare this problem will not stop me. I declare that I will win in this situation. Amen? I mean, put your hands together. Affirm truth in your life. Also, remember this. You are responsible for this shift. You see, you get a problem, you want to blame somebody else. Right? Well, you know, Adam did it. Remember that? He said, God says, what have you done, Adam? He says, what's that wife you gave me? (laughs) Right? And then when he goes talk to the wife, well, it's the devil. It's always, no, you know what you do? You just take responsibility. I'm going to take responsibility whether I'm 100% guilty or not. That way I don't have to waste energy trying to convince somebody they're guilty. You ever done that? I'm trying to convince somebody they're guilty. They don't think they're guilty. They're not going to accept guilt. I just go, okay, I'm guilty. Now let's move on. Always lean on the solution side of things. That's how you get the power of God in your life. That's how your mind then gets opened up to the word of God and the spirit of God so you can act properly in a given situation. Now, Nehemiah was upset and he was broken because the walls of Jerusalem were broken down. There was a physical need that needed to be met. Okay, I'm going to give you an opportunity. There's a physical need that needs to be met. We need to fund this building of this house in Mexico. We still need about another $11,000. You can go on the app under missions and say, I want to help out with that. You can come see us, write us a check, whatever. But you know what? When when you say, you know what? I can do that. I may not have a lot. I may have a lot. But I want to be a part of building a home for a family in Mexico. Amen? Amen? All right. Now, here's the other thing I found about problems, that growth comes in stages. You know, a lot of people, they just want to go from here to there. You can't do that. You grow a little at a time, a little at a time, and you get, every time you grow, it's through a problem. If you look back in your life, you typically didn't grow because everything was going well. You got complacent because everything got well. You withdrew because everything was going well. I don't. What do I have to worry about? I don't have anything to worry about. Get yourself in a fire. I'm telling you what, you become a prayer warrior. Get yourself in a fire. You start fasting. Get yourself in the fire. Man, you, you learn how to call all your friends. Can you pray for me? Why? What's going on? Oh, you won't believe it? This has never happened to another human being on planet Earth. I am so deep and so down. I don't know what to do. I mean, I've been jump roping under the bed, and my head is not hitting the slats. I am, I am overwhelmed with problems. What happened? When you have a problem, go thank you, God. I got a problem. I got a problem. No miracle ever happened when there wasn't a problem. You see, we all love miracles, but you remember, a miracle is an answer to a problem. If you hadn't had a problem, you couldn't rejoice in the miracle. Are you with me? Now, how many of you like your problems? Raise your hand. I like my problem. No, I don't like my problem. But I want, to work, I want to grow through my problem. Look at Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. He said, I pray, Lord God of heaven. Sounds like the model prayer, doesn't it? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done here on earth as it's already done in heaven. You see, prayer is just releasing heaven on earth. That's what it is. He says, I pray, O Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God. God, you're an awesome God. Instead of going, God, I don't know what you've been doing, but you ain't been staying over at my house lately. Now say, God, you're a great and awesome God. Now, I need that released in my life. I need the great awesomeness of God released. I don't know if awesomeness is a word, but it is today. Amen. All right. He said, Now, who keep uh, who you keep your covenant and your mercy with those who love you. See, God is a covenant God. Now, a covenant is different than a contract. A contract is a is a document between two equals. This covenant is something God sets the terms, and then when we li- li- lean into it, when we agree to the, to be a part of that covenant, God will always keep his part of the deal, even if we don't See, God made a covenant with you that he would save you. You say, well, I changed my mind. I don't want to be saved anymore. Too late, you were bought with a price. You're a temple of the living God. You're a royal diadem in his hand. See, you're so saved, it's pitiful. (laughs) Well, I knew this guy. He said he was saved, and he said he's not saved anymore. He never was saved. He just acted like he was saved. He wasn't saved. The Bible says, if I deny him, he cannot deny me because he will not deny himself because he's in me and I'm in him. What you can be is you can be away from God and miserable. If you can get away from God and not be miserable, you're never saved. I'm getting close to home today. I don't know what's happening here. (laughs) Instead of saying amen, they're saying, oh, me. All right, now look what it says. All right, and mercy with those who love you. Do you realize God is a God of mercy? Mercy. God is a God of mercy. Look at this. Of those who love you and observe your commandments, please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now day and night. You know, whenever you have problems, have you ever noticed you can't get it off your mind? The problem's always there. You're praying day and night. I couldn't sleep last night. Why? Because I got this problem. What were you doing? I was praying. I got it. What were you doing? I was praying. See, sometimes the only way God can get you to pray is give you a problem. Only prayer you're doing is, ah, God, thank you for this food. Amen. God will put you in a situation to create in you the hunger that you need to move forward in the kingdom. For the children of Israel, he was praying, your servants, and I confess the sins of the children of Israel. He was confessing sins that weren't even his. Have you ever asked God to forgive the sins of other people? That's what Job did, chapter 1. He was praying and offering sacrifice for his children just in case they sinned. We've got national sins in America. We should be praying for, ask God to forgive the sins of a nation. Just like we pray for the, forgive the sins of a household or an individual. There's nothing, there's nothing greater than this confessing. And confess means to agree with God and his perspective is correct. Now, watch this. We have sinned against you, both my father's house and I have sinned. He took personal responsibility. He said, I've sinned too. I've sinned too. I've sinned. Can you just say it in your own mind? I've sinned. Sometimes you don't even know how you've sinned. That's why the psalmist said, God, forgive me uh, of forgotten sins. Sometimes you just, you go through your life, you forget. God, I don't even, if there's stuff in my life that I've forgotten about, will you just bring it back to my memory so I can get there? Now growth, here's, let me talk to you about growth here. This is really good stuff. Simple problems always move into complex problems later, right? You solve a simple problem, then what do you do? You get older, you find, the problems get what? More complex. I love saying this to college students. They say, you know, I can't, I'm taking 18 hours, I'm working six hours a week at Starbucks. They're, t- they're giving you this story and I always look at them and go, you are on a paid vacation. You have no idea what you're getting ready to face. I, re- I used to say the same thing when I was in college. I, I'm taking 18 hours. I got I'm working here at the RA in the dorm. I'm doing all this stuff. And then I got married. Then we had two kids. I was passing a church and And stocking parks at at, uh, Napa Auto Parts. I'm thinking, I got a problem. I want to go back to college. Amen. (laughs) I want to go back to the paid vacation. This is real life stuff now. And it just gets more complex, more complex. We were so poor that if you're poor, it gets even more complex. Have you ever noticed that? We got, we got babies and we don't have money for pampers. And we don't have a washing machine at the church where we are, our house is. And we've got to commute 120 miles to go to the church from New Orleans. And we got to haul the diaper bucket in the back of the car. This is when you know about humility. I remember one time Tammy said, we, we need to stop and get Pampers. I said, we can't. We either got gas or Pampers, but we can't get both. We don't have any money. So, what am I supposed to do? I said, we're supposed to pray that that kid does not poop for 120 miles. That's the only thing I can say. You got to get it down where it's real, people. Do you know what I'm talking about? This is real prayers. Oh Lord, you know that thou son does poop. Please stop him. So, we're all the way up there, we're laughing and we're praying, and all of a sudden we pull up to our house there, and, and out on the porch is this giant box. And Tammy said, what's that? I said, I don't know. Somebody probably pulling a joke on us or something. Who knows what it is? And we go in the house. We go through. I go in the front. And guess what it was? It was not a carton. It was a giant case. I think there were 32 or 38 boxes of Pampers on our front porch. Now, let me tell you how favor works. Favor works this way. The guy who gave us the box was not a Christian. He owned the little store. His wife came to our church. She said, oh, I want to do something for that preacher. He's a pretty good guy. And she said, well, what they really need is Pampers. And on that very day, in that very moment, he took out of his inventory an entire case and put it on our front porch. That's favor. It was also a favor the kid didn't poop on the way up, too. So let's, let's be honest about that. Amen? All right, now... You got, you know, so you go from simple problems, you get into complex problems. Then what happens? Complex, complex problems become more complex. But guess what? You grow. Like we've said before, you have to learn how to do hard better. Not fold. You do hard better. You take the challenge and you're just better at it. You don't give up. You don't roll over. You don't fall down. You just say, I'm going to do hard better. But then watch the next stage of growth it is this you enter into a new state of simplicity this is where you're growing you go for you're in these all these complex problems you say wait a minute i have to step back and take another look at this and god gives you wisdom and he takes the complex and makes it simple again You see, when we go on complex, 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 too many thoughts, too many thoughts, you have to stop, step back, and say, God, I need a new level of simplicity in this situation. This is not that hard. There's not that many elements that I have to figure out. God, will you give me wisdom? Will you give me direction in this? And this is how you go into a growth mode. You always have to be in a new level of simplicity in your life. Ask yourself all the time, how do I make this simple? this is not that hard. Simple. Right now watch this. Bold prayers move kings. The king of kings is who you want to move, but I want you to know you can also influence kings of industry. You can influence people around you who are over you, have authority in your life, and watch this. Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 4. The king said to me, what do you request? Now, the king was a little concerned because Nehemiah was a little discouraged. And he said, why is your countenance down? Why are you look this way? Is, are you trying to poison me? And then he tells him the story. And he says to him, what do you want? And so I prayed to the God of heaven. He's right there. He's in that moment. The king's looking at him eye in the, eyeball to eyeball. And he says, what do you request? And he said, in his own heart, I'm going, I'm praying right now, God. I'm just reinforcing everything I've already done. He says, so I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said to the king, If it pleases the king and your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Now, here's the problem. Who's going to take his place? The understudy, number two, can he be trusted? See, a lot of things in the story you don't see because they're not told to you, but who's going to take the place? Because the king, if he's going to release him, he's got to make sure there's somebody trusted in his place. And then in verse seven, it says, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river that they may permit me to pass through till I come to Judah. So what's the first thing he says? I need authority. If you're gonna solve problems, you have to have authority from, king, from the king. I'm coming in the king's name, in the king's power, in the king's authority. I've got a recommendation from the king. I've got letters from the king, right? Right? that I can go to the region beyond the river, that I must permit me to pass through till I come to Judah. In other words, this is not optional. There's no governor, there's no ruler who's gonna stop me. This is the order of the king. No one can stop me. When you're in favor, nothing can stop you. Oh, this is good. When When you're walking the authority of God, nothing can stop you. As long as you're in the will of God, nothing can stop you. And a letter to Asphet, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates. He must. Do you remember when, when God told Moses to tell all the children of Israel to, to sacrifice the lamb and put the blood on the doorpost? And when the death angel comes, it will pass over the household. And then all of a sudden the 10th plague comes and, and there's chaos in the land of Egypt. And then, he's, then he says to, uh, to Moses, tell the people to go get the gold and the silver and the precious stones. Do you remember that? And it goes out, and they were so glad to get rid of these Jews. They're handing them gold, silver, just get out of town. We can't take any more. This is 10 plagues. We don't want plague number 11. And it says that they had favor with the Egyptians. The enemy of Israel, they had favor with the enemy. All right? So now let's keep reading here. To make beams for the gates of the citadel, which pertains to the temple, for the city wall, and for the house that I will occupy. And the king, look at this, and the king granted them to me according to the good hand of my God upon me. Why did he get the answer that he did? Because God's hand was on him. You get God's hand on you, you're going to see things happen you've never seen before. You're going to say, I got so many opportunities. Then you're going to step back, you're going to take the complex. You know what complexity is? Too many opportunities. That's, that's You see, a real answer is when you have no other options. You step back and you go, I don't have a lot of opportunities. I got one. Now, God, show me which one it is. You try to do five things at one time, you're going to mess up. You're going to be tired and frustrated, and you're not going to do any of them well. Amen? Amen? All right. Okay, so here's a couple of bullet points. Know what is requested. When you go before God, what are you asking him for? Be specific. God bless me. Because, okay, what kind of blessing do you want? No, what do you want to see God do in your life? What are you believing God for that you can't do on your own, that God will get the glory for? What are you asking God for? What are you believing God for? You see, faith is calling those things that are not as though they are. You gotta say it so when it's not so in order for it to be so. Do you follow that? You gotta say it so, that's your declaration, when it's not so, I don't have it yet, in order for it to be so. That's faith. Be bold in your request. God told you that he would answer your prayer. You remind him. Not for his sake, for your sake. God, I'd just like to remind you of your word, You said you'd answer my prayers. Here's a scripture that goes along with that, God. I'm here, answer my prayer. If he's slow, pray more. Don't give up. Don't give up, amen? Rely on God alone to move others. You got a situation that it means moving some things around, people changing their attitudes, their hearts, or whatever. Rely on God, don't rely on anybody else. Don't you think God can move men and women for the kingdom glory and answer your prayer? You see, you have an unfair advantage with prayer. How many times have you heard somebody say like this? I don't know how, I don't even know how to explain this. I didn't even want to do that. Well, somebody was praying and messing up your agenda. Right? It might have been a grandma somewhere that was praying for you. So I didn't ask for prayer. Too bad. You're getting it. I'm not stopping. Why not? Because you're a mess. You need help. (laughs) Amen? All right. Watch this. God's favor overcomes opposition. Nehemiah 2, 19 and 20. But when Sanballat the Hornite and Tobiah the Amorite official and Geshem the Arab heard of it. Now these are not Jews. These are outside and they're not happy about this at all. It said they laughed at us and despised us. You ever been scorned and laughed at? That's so stupid. You Christians, I can't believe you're believing all that stuff. Or they despise you. They hate you. They don't like you. And you're like, what did I do? You didn't do anything. It was the offense was the cross that you believe in. The cross is foolishness to those who do not believe. But to us who believe, it is the power of God unto salvation. Amen? And sometimes people are offended. Just, and you, don't even, you didn't do anything. But the Spirit of God in you brought about something in them and stirred them up. And they're just, they're just you're, the, you're the target now. I remember seeing one of those Far Side cart, uh, cartoons one time, and it had a two deer, and they were talking to each other, and the one deer had a bullseye on the side of him, and the other deer said to him, "Said bummer of a birthmark." <laughs> you ever feel like you got a, a bullseye on the side of you? Hey, you know, thank you, God, I got this problem because I'm going to figure out how to influence my friends. I'm going to figure out how to to influence those who I work with who oppose me. I'm going to get in the middle of this thing. I'm going to see God work. Amen? Amen. All right, now watch what said. What is this thing you're doing, the enemy said? Will you rebel against the king? So I answered them and said to them, the God of heaven himself will prosper me. That's a declaration. If you get nothing else out of this message, get that one. There's a declaration, the God of heaven will prosper me. Just say it with me. The God of heaven will prosper me. Trust in God, all right? Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build, but you have no heritage or right in the memorial of Jerusalem. So here's what you do. You expect opposition in your life. If you don't have any opposition, you might ask whose team you're on. Why wouldn't you have opposition? People say, my life was going so smooth before I started really living for God. Hmm, I wonder who was mad. Let your faith be larger than your fear. Hey, fear's common. Sometimes it's an emotion. Sometimes it's a spirit. Remember, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Sometimes it's just emotion, and it's, there's no basis to it. Sometimes there is some basis to it. But you don't want to let fear get bigger than your faith. I'm going to conquer fear with faith. Trust in God to prosper you, just like the Scripture says. I just trust you, God. I trust that you're going to make a way in a crazy economy, in a crazy world, in a crazy situation. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm not going to fall back in despair. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right, I want you to stand with me. I want to, uh, I wrote this uh, for you. Uh, it's not in your notes, but I want to give you a prophetic declaration. And you can, I'll do it in little bite pieces and you can say it over yourself. It goes like this. I declare that God has nothing but good in store for me. The challenges I face in life only prove to make me better and stronger. The plans of the Lord will come to pass. He is orchestrating things in my life that shortly will result in joy, power, hope, and unending favor. If you receive that, just say, I receive that. Amen? I receive it.